Yo, yo, yo. What's up, everybody? This is your boy, Isaac. And this is your boy, Bryce. And we are Brothers on Tennis. And folks, I'm trying to tell you, this is a special episode right here. We have got someone on the program that, I tell you what, just an absolute icon of the sport of tennis. And uh, just, just we are absolutely just blessed to have her on, on this podcast and to really be, have a moment to talk with her. And uh, Bryce, I, I know you have to be excited because <laughs> you grew up on this sport. I know that you have always followed this lady. Can you talk a little bit about our guest today? Yeah, this was a very, very special day for me. Um, I think a lot of people remember who were the players that were really doing it when you first kind of got in the game and you were eating and living and breathing tennis. Right. And for me, that was kind of in that mid-80s period. Uh-huh. Um, and so, you know, I was a big Lindell fan and, uh-huh. you know, following McEnroe. And then on the women's side, you know, for me, it was Martina Navratilova and... And this woman right here, Zena yeah. Garrison. Miss Zena Garrison. Um, you know, right. where today's tennis community really kind of has Venus and Serena. Right. Really a lot more people now, but yeah. mainly yeah. Venus and Serena in terms of who they look up to mm-hmm. from an African American standpoint in tennis. For me, during my time, it was Zena Garrison. That's right? right. That's right. And and for our listeners, I just want to take a few minutes to because everyone may not be aware of everything this woman has done and for someone like me who actually followed her career while she was playing right even reviewing her stats i was like damn yeah. Zena, <laughs> right? Right? you really kind of did it right? Thing, right but you know she was you know she used to be the number one ranked junior yep. she won in 1981 both the wimbledon and the u.s open junior first african-american female number one in texas yes right? and, and Crazy. so she she really did at a junior level. She was named. She then went professional the following year and was named the WTA newcomer of of the year. Um, you know, just her achievements as a singles player. I mean, she reached a career high ranking of number four. Uh, she has the distinct honor of having been in the top twenty five for fourteen consecutive years. Crazy. Uh, she has 14 singles titles. Mm-hmm. And I just want to name a few of the people that she has singles wins over, right? Who she beat up? Who she beat up? So you may know a few legends by yeah. the names of Martina Navratilova. I think I heard that name. Chris Everett. Yep. Hannah Malakova. Mm-hmm. Steffi Graf. Yep. Monica Sellers. Mm-hmm. And then for your current players or your current you know listeners and watchers of the game some of your favorite tennis commentators <laughs> so pam shriver right. mary joe fernandez yes. tracy um austin yep. our girl chandra rubin oh, you know um and then i'm going to talk about this a little bit later in the episode but katrina adams and that's another person i want to give a little more shine to because uh, i don't think people are really up on what she has done and her post-tennis career. But, you know, Zena's Grand Slam singles highlight had to be the 1990 uh, Wimbledon uh, tournament where she beat Helena Sukova, mm-hmm. Monica Sellers, yep. Steffi Graf, and met Martina Navratilova in the finals. Um, just a very distinguished singles career. But she also did it in doubles. Mm-hmm. She had a career-high ranking of five in doubles, and had such partners as Gabriela Sabatini, Martina Navratilova, Pam Shriver, wow. Mary Jo Fernandez. And then she had her crew of like Katrina Adams <laughs> and Lori McNeil. Right, right. Um, and, uh, and she actually won three mixed de- doubles uh, Grand Slam titles. So, you know, today it's tough sometimes to find the top singles players playing doubles. But back in that day, they did. Exactly. And, and, and Zena was a great example of that. In the Olympics, in the Olympics, she has won two um, medals. She got the bronze in singles in 1988 right. and won the gold in doubles that year with Pam Schreiber. Incredible. Um, and then even after she stopped playing, uh, she served as the U.S. Fed Cup captain for about five years. Mm-hmm. And she also led the U.S. Olympics team in uh, 2008 when Venus and Serena won one of their uh, doubles gold medals. Amazing. So... 
just you can't do all of this <laughs> and not be somebody in the game, right? Trendsetter. I exactly. mean, let's just call it what it is. I mean, this lady has done so much for this sport and for the African American community, and I am so very excited to be able to talk to her today. So, folks, without any further delay, let us introduce to you Miss Zena Garrison. We're going to bring you in with a clap, Zena. <laughs> How you doing Thanks. this evening? I'm good. Thank you so much um, for all of that. Actually, I forgot I did all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> all right. See, sometimes you can't even remember how good you were. Come on now. <laughs> uh, you just oh, live Zena. in the moment. <laughs> yeah, I understand that. And Zena, we are so, so interested in just hearing everything and all the background that you have for us. And so how about we just kind of start off with, with just this, of course, general question. How did, how did you get introduced to tennis? How did you come about, you know, the love for this sport? Yeah, I actually was very, it was very interesting because I had a brother that's um, actually 12 years older than I am, um, played baseball for Texas Southern university. And, um, he um, had a girlfriend in high school that played tennis, and I went out to McGregor Park, which is a park here in Houston, and um, I was sitting down. My brother was playing baseball behind me on the baseball field, and I was watching this guy play tennis, and the guy's name was John Wilkerson, and so oh. um, John actually became my coach, and so he was teaching kids for free. Um, and asked me to, if I would like to come out on Thursdays and try tennis. And so I came out and tried it and, you know, it was, you know, it was fun. I played baseball, so it was kind of interesting. And, um, he had asked me to come out on the court and try to hit a ball. And I said, okay. So I hit the first one over the fence and I was like, Ooh, like, yeah. And he was like, no, <laughs> like, exactly like that ain't going to work. So then he was like, well, I, he told me to keep it in the white line. So I choked up on the, um, on the racket and just started kind of keeping it in play like ping pong. And, um, so I, I ended up quitting for a couple of weeks and stuff and ended up getting a brand new bike and started riding my bike with my friends. Well, Bill Cosby came out to do a tennis clinic and I, yeah, so I came out, um, for the tennis clinic. And um, out of 100 kids, he picked me. And so I've basically um, been playing ever since. Oh, that is so incredible. And John Wilkerson, I remember that he was he was he he was with the was it the American Tennis Association. Right. So that's sort of like that predominantly black tennis league that was out there kind of early on. Right. Yes. Um, yeah, John played a lot of ATAs, um, which was American Tennis Association, which was is a tennis association that um, back in the day um, when black people weren't allowed to play in the USTA events, they had their own event called the American Tennis Association. And um, so John knew a lot of people from there. And um, we had a really good program, and a lot of kids that came up in our program here. Oh, that's wonderful. Excellent. Excellent. Now, and did you play in the ATA at all? Uh, yeah, actually, I actually did play in the ATA. Um, actually, um, I played, I think it was like 15, like 15 or six. I think it was 16. Uh, I actually played the adults. And uh, back then, they, if you win the adults, um, you would get into the main draw of the U.S. Open. Oh, because wow. I had a deal um, with with them back then for the the wild card, and so I actually um, I was able to play in my first professional tournament was at the was one of them was at the U.S. Open, and um, I never forget I was walking through the through the tunnels. That's when they had the the old stadium and the Grand Slam were together, and I was walking down there, and I remember. Martina Navatilova is like, hi, Zena. And I was like, what? She knows my name. <laughs> right? so I told Martina that story. She's like, well, we knew all the people that were coming up. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Man, that is so awesome. Yeah, I would I would freak out to be, uh, uh, if Martina kind of talked to me as well. That is absolutely <laughs> insane. 
I mean, that's good because I did not know that part about the Bill Cosby yeah. or even getting the opportunity to play through the ATA. That is so awesome. Yeah, wow, so, so awesome. Yeah, I mean, American Tennis Association, um, yeah, you guys should definitely look it, look it up if you haven't. You know, it's still going on. They don't have that um, that situation anymore where um, they gave actually gave the wild cards back to the USTA, which I still never understood why they did. But anyway, so mm. it's gone. <laughs> uh, yeah, we will definitely look into that. Yeah, we, we will do some more research. And yeah, because that's really interesting. We, we yeah, we got to we got to pay homage. Yeah, for sure. It, it, I guess, Cena, I wanted to ask you a little bit more just about, you know, being an African-American female in the game of tennis, especially back in the day, the 80s and the 90s. I mean, you, you know, what was what was sort of the climate? I mean, how did how did people treat you at all? Did you notice there being any differences between you and other players and and just interested in, you know, some of the pressures that potentially came with all of that? Well, I was in an interesting scenario um, anyway, you know, being a black and being an all white sport and, you know, coming out as a number one junior. Um, so I immediately had um, the support from all the black players that were out there, uh, like Leslie Allen, Kim Sands, Renee Blunt. And um, they immediately took me to the side. And it was really interesting because they would always say, you know, this is what you do against this player. This is what you do against, you know, don't <laughs> talk to that player. You know, we can do it, but you can do it. You know, they always pump me up and... And was always very supportive, made sure that, you know, I knew the rules. Um, so and then I also had a lot of support from um, like non people, you know, like Barry Gordy was a huge mentor. Um, Maya Angelou, you know, a lot of the a lot of the distinguished black people um yeah. actually were big supporters because I was the only you know not that I was the only one but it was I was playing at the top at that time so um uh -huh. I was breaking right. a lot of barriers yeah that is fantastic I had no idea that folks like that had reached out to you that that is that's great to hear because you t you know we Bryce and I were actually even talking about the episode how there was that that tennis mentoring program that I believe you were involved with as well. But I guess we didn't realize that there was sort of that unofficial mentorship going on, even, you know, even when you came into the game. So that's awesome. Yeah, it, it was. I think I think you're talking about the Women's Tennis Association. They started um, about the time when Venus and Serena came around. Um, right. They started the Women's Tennis Association, started a mentoring program, and they actually would put you together with players that they felt that you were very similar to. Um, and a lot of it had to do with attitude, had to do with emotions on the court, you know, all things. And um, Pam Shriver was actually Venus's and I was Serena's. And um, so, and so basically the whole thing is just, they would ask you questions and you just kind of follow them. And, and um, so, when they first put me with Serena, I was like, what? But then when I was like, we're both moody, we're both the same with you, so we we would laugh about that. Both emotional. Like, hey, but that's that emotion, both of you both you both use that to be the champions that you are. So to me, that's a that's an aspect of the game that I feel like people underappreciate or they try to make that a negative. And it's like that emotion is good. That's good stuff. Yeah. So I have a question with that. So do, do you, um, because of that early mentorship relationship, uh, did that really help with your kind of, did you and Serena maintain a relationship past that? Yeah, you know, about as much as you can with someone like Serena. But the great thing about Serena, um, she, you know, I actually had known them since they were seven and eight. Um, I, okay. you know, their dad used to call me all the time and ask questions and, um, I went out to Compton a couple of times when they were younger, so I had somewhat of a relationship with them already. But um, the thing I can tell you about Serena, and I tell you know a lot of young people this or whatever, she's truly a champion. She, you know, she would, you know, she'll text you in a minute and ask, "Did you see my? Did you see anything in my game?" Like she's she's always asking <laughs> questions like that. 
And that has not stopped, <laughs> you know. Oh, if, nice. I, if, I talk, if I text her now and say, you know, what's up with your serve? She'll ask you, you know, what you think. So she's like that. She just, she always wants to win. She always wants to improve. So, and that's as of today. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That is the, well, I tell you what, you know, one of the things, you know, I know we were talking about how the climate was in the 80s and the 90s when you were playing. Um I remember one of the stories that came out, and I think it was around the time that you made it to that Rumble in the final, and it was really exposed that you, although with all of your accomplishments, you had not received the endorsements that some of your peers had received. And I, I think you didn't even um, really receive any major endorsements until that uh, Wimbledon final. Uh, what, yeah. what was that like? Yeah, actually, I went literally five years, and I was, you know, as high as four in the world, highest, you know, been in the top five twice, and I had no endorsements, and, um, you know, um, even had an article, so I, I, when I came on tour, I was with Pony, um, I don't know if you guys remember the Pony. Oh, I remember Pony. (laughs) And, um, so... I literally um, remember my agent saying to me that, you know, they were going to go with someone else. And and I remember, you know, there was an article that basically said that this other person got it because she was blind and blue eyes. <laughs> so um, it was kind of like, you know, not a slap in the face, but it's like, OK, you're still black in an all white sport, you know. And um, I remember going across. Um, I remember there was this this junior agent and I was in New York and he comes across to me, comes across the street and he runs me down. He's like, who do you think you are? Michael Jordan? Like you want so much money. And, and I was like, what? So the next day I went in and I went into Donald Dell and I told him about it. And he was like, he said, what to you? And I was like, yeah, (laughs) this is like, so I don't want this guy anywhere around me. So anyway, he literally went on and they gave me another guy. And, but that culture was always there, but the players never really treated me any different, but the the culture was there. And, um, you know, not until, and most people don't even realize this, and I remember I was in, um, I had retired, and I was actually um, at the U.S. Open, and Serena came down, and we were watching a match, and she sat next to me, and she's like, Zena, guess what? I got my first Fortune 500 uh, endorsement. And I think it was like IBM, um, when she did the commercials for IBM, the computer or something. Right, yep, and I said, what? And mind you not, she had already won like four or five Grand Slams. <laughs> oh, you, oh, wow. No, I'm very serious. And she was so excited. And I was sitting there thinking, wow, you already won four, grand five, four or five Grand Slams and you just got your first, you know? So it's like people don't realize. Yeah, I'm sure. And yet, I'm sure at that same time, Sharapova probably already well, had plenty exactly. by then, yet did not have the same number. Point, of point taken. Point taken without me saying it. Yeah. So, you know, so going back to me, like for back then, I had to go and, you know, I got to the finals of Wimbledon. I had to go. I was wearing Martina Navratilova's clothes. Wow. And I had to tell Martina that I was going to, um, I wasn't going to wear clothes for the finals. And I'm playing her, right? And right, I, right. But, you know, I got a, an endorsement with Reebok and stuff, and I'll never forget Martina's like, whoo, Wimbledon title? I'm way too superstitious. I don't know if I would do that, but I understand. <laughs> uh, so we, we, we laughed all the time about that. I'm like, maybe I shouldn't have worn that. I should have kept wearing your clothes. <laughs> I just want to jump in and say, you know, as really a huge fan of yours, you have two moments in my mind that I will never forget. They're just, and obviously the one is the 1990 Wimbledon final. Right. Um, and as you heard me mention, you know, as I was coming up, you know, Martina Navratilova on the ladies' side was kind of like my favorite player. Um, but then Zena was always kind of like the one I had the emotional connection of course, with, right? Absolutely. And so 
to have that Wimbledon final where it was Martina <laughs> and Zena. I just it, you were messed up. Yeah, I was like, this is this is like a perfect scenario for me. So that was one. The second one was, and look, I'm sure she's a very nice woman. Uh oh. I've never met her. <laughs> but you you know how it is. There are like certain players that if you're a fan of them, you can't be a fan of the other one. Right. And right. so since I was in Martina's camp, yeah, I wasn't right. a Chris Everett fan. Yeah. And so when Zena <laughs> once again, my emotional favorite, when she showed Chris the door at the 1989 <laughs> US Open, <laughs> that was the Best thing for me because I was like, Chris has to go and Zena's in a packet. There is, but, I, I always say, like, Taylor Perry, if you're listening, I have the best tennis movie for you. It's my life because I've had ups and downs and the people that I've beat, and just but going back to Chris, now that <laughs> so. It's taken her a long time. She still won't say to this day that I was the last one that beat her. She still won't say that. If you if you kind of listen to the place, she still doesn't say it. She'll kind of go around it. But anyway, so if you guys, I don't know, if you watched the U.S. Open this year. So I was commentating. So they had we're talking about the Osaka and Coco and how Osaka went over, you know, hugged or whatever, and they were yeah. making feel like oh it's never happened before and so I'm like look on a board up on the board and I see me and Chrissy because it's a very historical picture because I'm crying and she's hugging me but the You're reason right. I'm crying because I grew up with Chris Evans and I knew it was her last match and you know that's just me and I knew what she meant to tennis and everything but I never forget I walked into the I walked into the um to the interview room and the very first question the guy said to me, so how does it feel to be a victim? I said, what? He's like, I mean, not a victim, to be a villain. I said, what? Oh. A villain? I was like, so why am I a villain, you know? And he's like, well, you beat Chris Everett, and, you know, everybody was waiting for a Chris and Martinez match, and, you know, so you're the villain. I was like, are you serious? Oh, <laughs> so, my goodness. Anyway, so I come out of there, so... Literally, and I am not lying, for a month, I played, and people were not clapping for me. And I was like, what in the hell is this? I would be at the shot, and people weren't clapping. So a couple months goes by, and one of my goddaughters asked, and she was like probably, I think Brittany at that time was probably like seven or eight. So she was like, you know, Nana, please, can you come to my school? So I went to her school. So I walk into the school and the lady says to me, her teacher, and says, well, first of all, I didn't believe Brittany. And I said, <laughs> hey, but she told you that, you know, I'm, that's my godchild and whatever. And she said, well, I didn't really believe her. And she said, and the other thing is, I have to just admit, I haven't liked you since you beat Chris ever. And I was like, are you serious? <laughs> wow. Oh, <laughs> this lady God. was holding on to this. It, it was just ridiculous. So, but I felt it from like so many people, and I remember playing. And I was playing Sabatini one time. And she was like, "What is going on? Like you're hitting good shots and nobody's clapping." I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> "Oh my god, Zena, we had no idea that it was like that." That is well. That's why when I say because I'm being dead serious. If y'all know Tyler, tell Tyler I got a movie for him. Okay. <laughs> Because people will not believe my life and stuff, some of the stuff. But when you're breaking barriers and you're going through it, and, you know, now people, because Serena them have broken so many, like, people don't realize that there was somebody before them that things were tougher. Like, with me, I can't even imagine what Althea Gibson went through. Oh, right. yeah. Exactly. Oh, my goodness. I'm I'm trying to tell you, yeah, Tyler Perry. Hopefully, you are listening. Because, yeah, we need to go on. <laughs> the four and get pieces, then one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we need to go and get Zeta a movie because uh, I would be the first in line to see said movie. Yes, I would. Right. So, so Zena, <laughs> let, let me ask you this question. So, I, you know, you have a very unique perspective of having seen the game or participated in the game from many years back. Mm -hmm. uh, you know. 
what are some of the differences you see in the game today versus maybe when you played? And, and also kind of along with that, I'm sure there are probably still some changes you would like to see in the game. And, and what would some of those be? Well, I would start with, with the first question, like some of the changes that like I see are, it's very interesting because, you know, I, I, I'm very good friends with um, Sloan Stevenson's coach, uh, Kamal Murray. Right. And so, I mean, we talk literally almost every day, <laughs> but it's the whole thing. It's, it's, it's just like these girls now, they make so much money that there's no real passion for mm-hmm. them. So you find that, and it's, and you probably would notice that in all sports and all of the older ones with me, like, you know, we played the game because we loved it, you know, and, and there was a respect for, you know, the game. They don't really, it's like, I'm not going to say it, it takes a, it takes a very special person to like understand the history and respect the game. And then you'll see, like someone like this new, the little one, Coco and Katie, yeah. Matthew, yeah, you know, yeah. her, her doubles partner, they're two old souls because they truly respect the game, but they play like it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and nice. so you'll probably see longev- longevity with those two. But most of, most of the other ones, you know, they get the money, they make so much money now. And it's like, you know, it's like the whole life and presence on Instagram is about look at me and look at what I'm doing when you know your house is not right in the back. <laughs> right. You yeah. got to preach. Come on now. <laughs> so, you know, that that's, that's and, you know, we, everybody says the power, and I was thinking about this the other day. You know, yeah, the power and stuff is all there, but the court is still the same. It hasn't changed in how many years? The court. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, you know, you hear all the time, well, you probably couldn't play in this era. Well, the court is still the same. Only thing that's changed is the rackets. Right. <laughs> and and your mental attitude or the way you go about the game, I'm sure I would have adjusted. You, you know, the same thing as a Martina or a Chrissy or any. You would adjust to what you do or what you want to do because you just have to grow with the game. That's like, right. people don't talk about a Martina change women's sports basically when Martina started changing her eating habits. Mm-hmm. Everybody's talking, everybody, you know, now they're vegan or they're whatever. I'm like, Martina <laughs> never took over and Carl Lewis were vegans way back before anybody thought about being it. Carl came to my house one day and threw everything in my pantry away. <laughs> Did he know? No, that's a true story. Yeah. Wow. I tell you, I'm not lying when I say, um, uh, t- Tyler needs to call me. No, <laughs> literally, my housekeeper. She's called, and that's when you had the big old phones back then. You just got the mobile phone. Mizina, Mizina, please come. There's a guy here. He's throwing all the food away. <laughs> I'm like, what? And so I'm like, okay, I'm down the street. So I come. First, I was thinking, well, why you let him in? <laughs> <laughs> that, exactly. that was what I was. You don't know who he is, so she saw so come in and calls like has this big garbage. But he's like, you don't need this, you know, this is junk, this whatever, whatever. And just like throwing this stuff out. We we're calling our really good friends. Actually, I saw him two nights ago. Oh, nice. nice. Yeah, he was getting the Houston Sports Award. So then she she would go. She goes. Uh, she goes. I called my husband and I said. This tall black guy is here, and he's throwing all Miss Zena's food away. <laughs> and, I, and she tell, and so he said, and he said his name is Carl Lewis, and her her husband said, "What? <laughs> her name was Nubia. Nubia, you don't know who Carl Lewis is." Oh my goodness, that is hilarious. <laughs> had no idea, none. Oh my goodness, that is hilarious! So, about this black man throwing out Nazina food. <laughs> he threw it all out, and so he, I'm like, so, so what are some of the things that you you still would like to see changed in the game? Um, well, more women coaches for one thing, but that's yeah. a whole, that's you know that's across the board. I mean, it's still you know male dominant, and people feel like. You know, women cannot coach or, 
they don't I, they don't trust the women's coach. You know what I'm saying? Which is right. kind of silly, but um, you're a woman, but you don't trust a woman's coach. But a lot of it has to do with the people around you, the circles you're in, and you know, and it's just it's just kind of interesting. <laughs> Oh, man. Gotcha. Yeah, that is that is that is crazy. And we know that you have actually done plenty of coaching in your career from, of course, being Fed Cup and the Olympics. And I mean, talk to us just from that perspective, from being a coach of, of players like a Serena Williams and 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 Venus. And I, I'm just very interested in in just, you know, how 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 well, did that. How did that yeah. work out for you? And how did you either enjoy it or just absolutely hate it or all of the all of that in between? <laughs> well, exactly. Well, the interesting part is um I I was actually mentored under Billie Jean King. So I mean I was I was very blessed and Billy's a has always been a mentor of mine, but um I was her assistant coach for uh, Fed Cup and also for the 2000 Olympics, which we we had Monica Sellis on that team. We had Venus and Serena. That was our first time. The one in Sydney and um, God, who was the other player? I can't even think of who the last one was. But, huh? Well, Lindsay. Lindsay. Yes, it was Lindsay. I don't know how I could have forgot that one. That was <laughs> in itself. Um, but yeah, because she wasn't speaking to Billy that day, but she was speaking to me, so it was just crazy. Oh, wow. <laughs> that was the <laughs> but, but um, you know, so I mean, tennis players, we're all fickle, and we you have days up and downs like that. But so, long story short, I've learned I learned a lot under Billy as far as coaching, and so when it came time for me, you know, I loved it. Um, I am very moody, so I do believe that coaching somebody on a day to day basis. Um, you have to be willing to basically to turn over your whole entire life. Um, I don't like that part as much because, like I said, I want my time. But I love analyzing and helping people. Um, you know, I'm, I believe that I'm very good at coming in and, you know, seeing and coming out or, or putting together a game plan. So up to date was like four or five years, you know, so Taylor Townsend, we took her from, Kamala and I took her from 583 to like 583 in the world to like 83 in less than six months. And then she dropped us. Oh, <laughs> wow. So, but I made the mistake, in my opinion, she was lit. She lived with me for about two years and it, it was a lot. So, and it was in the growing up days, but. I am a very old-fashioned and tough coach. You know, it's all about your truth to me. Because I learned from Billy and I learned from, you know, even Arthur Ashe. He's like, you know, you have to be true to yourself to correct yourself on the court. And that's the truth. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, speaking of, I guess, Billie Jean King, some, something that I'm hearing when you're speaking, is it, it, it feels like I'm learning that there was more camaraderie there amongst the players than I may have would have thought because as a spectator, yeah. you look and you see rivals on the court, but you don't really think about the relationships afterwards. And I would just love to hear from your words, you know, a little more about what those relationships were like then, and are they still the same now, or have they changed? And who well, are the people yeah. you were with? Yeah, well, I said, yeah, it actually was even closer back then because you only had basically a certain amount of people now the sport is so big everybody comes with their entourage 10 deep they're making so much money it's always so many around it's the instagram it's the whole thing but uh, give you an example so i came later but the original nine which you'll hear a little bit yeah. more about um this year because it's the 50th anniversary mm -hmm. they you know for one dollar basically started what we know as is women's tennis now mm -hmm. um, right, right. And, and or even women making money in sports period if it wasn't for these nine ladies that have broke the barrier you know who knows where we would have been now but and you know once again been led by Billie Jean King um so 
now I think you see the girls and I think, you know, yeah, they're, they're friends and everything, but how, how close can you really get with 10 deep? Right, right. <laughs> you know, somebody always looking to, you know, come in and, you know, it's all about money now, you know, mm -hmm. so. It seems like with the with the players, at least for me, looking at current players, it seems like uh, Sloan and Madison kind of have a nice little bond. I mean, they yeah, seem they, to, they truly are friends. They grew up together, you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh. But no, I, I see what you're saying, though. It does feel like when you look at other players, it does seem to have an element of superficialness, if you will. Right. And I think you know Serena and Wozniacki, they're they're true friends. Mm -hmm. yep. You don't have to be a couple, but what I'm saying is that it does make it tough because there's so many parts to it now. Right. right. Because I remember back in the day, whether it was true or not, I, in my mind, I had you and Lori McNeil as like best friends. <laughs> you know? Well, Lori and I grew up together, so we were. Lori and I were more like sisters because we grew up literally everything since 10 years old. Lori and I, you know, we were together all the time. We played doubles. We had the same coach, you know. Um, so we truly were. I mean, we fought like sisters, but yeah, so. <laughs> You know, you, you you were right on that, but it's because we also grew up together. Gotcha. Right, right. And and we've seen, you know, just, you know, through events and things like that, you, you apparently are still very friendly with Martina and Chris yeah. and Billy and a lot of your um, people that you played with. Temporary. Yeah. Yeah, just, you know, um, I... I kind of came later on, but they, you know, they all took me under their, their wings. And, you know, back then it was all about growing. We grew up under the Virginia Slims label. So it was all mm -hmm. about growing that label. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was all about, you know, learning to sponsorships and all of that. And, you know, like I still have my foundation for 20, it's been 27 years now, you know, basically women's tennis kind of, that we were the start of kind of making a little money and, you know, starting foundations and all of that. Everybody else kind of came after, kind of came after that. But tennis players, black, white, or whatever, have always kind of been the leader of starting all that. People forget that, though. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, uh, uh, so one more thing kind of on that subject. So <laughs> Isaac and I, as, you know, spectators and fans, and even when you think about this podcast, we support tennis, we love tennis as a game, but we always have that little special or extra energy for, you know, the people of color, specifically African-Americans, or even a people of African descent from other countries. Right. It does, is there a camaraderie in real life uh, like that? Like, for example, does a Venus Williams privately root for a Sasha Vickery when she hears that she's playing, right? Yeah. Uh, just because she's a fellow yeah. African-American sister. sister, right? Yeah, I, I, I can't really say that. I can't because I can't speak for them, but right. it's a natural thing anyway. Like, I can tell you, Venus and Serena are very conscious of, of the Black players that are coming up because they came through. They were right on the cuffs of the cups of knowing you know, what tree, the good and the bad, because, <laughs> you know, they're of that age um, that you kind of, you know, they broke a lot of barriers. And their dad, Richard, and their mom, you know, bred them to understand all parts of it. <laughs> right. So they, they were not clueless at all. Um, but I think um, what happens also, I can say this, um, for me, I was taught at a very young age that I was to pass it on to others, you know, mm -hmm. and this is like from Barry to Maya to, there was a guy by the name of Reverend Skinner, you know, these people were pillars in the community, you know, that would tell, told me, look, you need to pass it on to the new one. So I took that role very seriously. So when people and it was funny because um <laughs> there was a, a an asian girl by the name of tracy um surgeon that came on and she told me this story not too long ago and i did it with black or white i didn't really do it just with black players um 
but more so sometimes with blacks because I knew the struggles. But I remember she telling me once that I came on and she's like, I was like, look, this, you know, this tier, this, this, um, this circuit is like serious. Like you have to be serious, you know, don't be hanging out. Don't want, and she was telling me the story. She's like really big. I think now in like uh, Red Bull or something. She's like, Dina, you always, t- you were one of the first person that set me down and was like, don't be messing around out here. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and another one of, uh, another one of my, from what well, Chanda Rubin, Chanda was like, I remember hitting with you for the first time or whatever. You were like, look, you need to get it together. You're missing too many balls. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. It's like, but you taught me how to, she's like, I was taught, basically taught her how to, you know, we got to be serious when you practice and all of that. So. Oh, and like Chanda, I don't know if you guys watch her on the tennis channel. I am so proud of her. She's doing Oh, so she's well. our favorite. Oh, yeah. We've met, we've met her a couple of times and she has always been just the most genuine and nicest person. Uh, we, we, we talk her up a lot on our podcast. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, no, she is wonderful. And I used to be, one of the things I used to do all the time, and um, so when we were at Wimbledon, the Sunday it was off, I liked to cook. So I would cook and have all the black players over. So that was all right. Nice. All right, now, baby, like, you talking my, my language now. <laughs> Come on now. So that was that was a way that I kind of got everybody. And even if you were like on the TV crew or something like, you know, Ahmad Rashad would show up, you know, like I would just invite. That was like our time. That's what we used to do. So I don't know. I doubt if they still do that. But <laughs> now you know, opened up a can of worms now, Zena. Now, what, what, what's your favorite thing? What's your favorite meal? What you cook? Oh, well, I cook a little, but I, gumbo is one of my favorite um, enchiladas. Unfortunately, I like to cook. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. But it was it was funny because the last time I um, it was like five years ago, I went to I was with Taylor and I went to the Australian Open, and we had some friends there, and so. I get a phone call from Venus. She's like, are you going to cook? <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> so we all got together and I cooked. Uh, and they, you know, Venus is really vegan. For She's like, I'm cheating today. So I made, I made <laughs> fried chicken and greens and everything. And so uh, Serena walks in behind. I'm like, where's your chef? I'm not your chef. She's like, <laughs> That is awesome. Oh, man, I love it. Well, speaking of food, (laughs) we're going to kind of turn this next question to your hometown because, you know, we know you have a lot of love for the city of Houston. And and like I was telling you yeah, you know. And don't talk about my Astros. Leave them alone. No, no, no. no. And and what I was going to tell you is, like, when I was mentioning that I'm originally from Shreveport, Louisiana, I actually lived in Houston for a couple of years in the early 70s when I was a young uh, child. Actually, one of my best friends in the world lives in Houston. Uh, Shout out to you, LJ and uh, Shelly. And I have some family that lives out in Porter. But for me, Houston is where I was introduced to Papa Dose. Oh, and whenever I'm in Texas, I don't care if it's <laughs> Dallas or Houston, you will find me at Papa Dose. <laughs> oh, God. So talk to us a little bit about your, your, your love of Houston, because we know you rep Houston pretty strong. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a strong, I always rep my city, even when I wasn't living here. But, um, um, and it's even better now with our mayor. But anyway, um, I just always loved Houston. And it's always um, just been, you know, I grew up, you know, being around a lot of athletes and entertainers used to come to the park and play and raise money for us. And um, so I've always been, I've always noticed that there was a lot of athletes and entertainers would like retire here or they would, you know, train here because of the weather. And so I just, I've always just had a huge admiration for the sports and entertainment here, but more than anything, it's always been a city of giving. Like when people, when Katrina happened, you know, we opened our arms and, Uh you know, just a very giving city. It's just a very giving city. 
Actually, the the family that I referred to that lives in Porter, that's when they re they were originally living in New Orleans. Oh, they relocated uh, because of Katrina. Absolutely. So I know what you're talking about there. Well. You know, speaking about the city of Houston, we know, and you kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier, you do have an academy. Uh, you do have the Zena Garrison Academy, and we know that you have an, uh, some big events down there. Right. You know, tell us a little bit about that. Um, I started the, well, I actually started off, the name was um, the All Court Tennis Academy, and then I changed it to the Zena Garrison Academy. But anyway, I started it because I had the opportunity to uh, learn how to get play the game for free. And my coach, John Wilkerson, was the one that gave me the opportunity. So um, John actually um, had worked for the program up until he just turned 80 this year. And the last two years, he's been pretty, you know, kind of sick. So okay. kind of had to retire him. <laughs> That's, that was a difficult thing. But he still loves the sport. But um, saying all that to say is, you know, he instilled in me along with the others at McGregor Park about, you know, at least giving kids the opportunity to learn the sport, you know. Um, and you don't know where it could lead you. And just the values that it gives to a kid um, gives him a platform um, to be able to do anything. So it's really cool when you hear, you know, uh, recently uh, uh, um, uh, this guy came in and um, he said, you know, Zena, I just wanted to thank you guys for giving me the opportunity, you know, I now own my own architect business, blah, 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 blah. But the values that I learned. So it's like you just never know um, where didn't mean you have to be a professional tennis player, but the mm -hmm. value give you that you get in tennis are just so much more valuable for you as a, a person. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and and Zena, that's one of the things that we here at Brothers on Tennis are trying to do more of as well. Or at least we want to be it kind of open to that and open that door for, you know, how we can get, you know, the youth and get more involvement and, and not only just the sport, but just, you know, African American youth. Because again, yeah. like you like you you know, there there just wasn't that exposure to this game of tennis. And I know that we are seeing more African-Americans in the game today, but I still feel like there's just a, 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 another level that we can reach as it relates to getting our youth involved there. So it's really incredible to hear about your academy. And, and, and for our listeners, again, make sure that you're supporting. Go go out to, to, to Zena's website. Is it ZJHarrison.org? Yeah. And, 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 the, and the great thing uh, I wanted to say this too is, yeah, there are more playing, but if you notice, it's still not that many in the limelight. It's still only a couple of few. That, right. And the thing goes back to, you know, I, I try to tell parents, like if they all of a sudden they don't see like a quick um, reward, then they want to take their kid out. This uh -huh. is of patience and longevity and improvement each and every day it's not something that's going to come and i was just speaking to you know kamal the other day and i'm like where are the brothers <laughs> right, right right come on now like not since mal malabir washington mm -hmm. that's right that's you know and yeah. we have you know you have francis right now and his his ranking's about to drop a little bit because <laughs> yeah He's being truthful. He yeah. did the Australian Open last year, but then he's still young. But, you know, the thing about that is I'm like, but is he now just happy to be there? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep, yep. That's because you have to be careful for that. Once you make some money and you just happen, you know, it, that fame and everything, you just happy to be there. But, dude, that you got to do all you can do as fast as you can do it. <laughs> That's exactly. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. That's exactly. And that's kind of what you were alluding to earlier is to me, you got to have that love for the game. It can't be just getting a little bit of money and being complacent. Right. You, you got to be able to just continue to put in those hours and get get better and improve. And that to me, that's what you want to see out of a player like you're seeing from a Coco and a McNally is, again, that love for the game and everything else takes care of itself if you have that. 
Yeah, you have long. You, you know, Barry Gordy said to me, "What you want is longevity. You don't want no short career. You want to be able to last. Like people know your name even after you retired." And I never forget that he, you know, he he instilled that in me, and he literally got a publisher for me. I think he paid like one hundred twenty-five thousand to show me one year that I do not have to win on the court to be famous. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no, I need to win a grand slam. He's like, no, you don't. <laughs> He's like, no, you don't. You're all right. Just I had my worst year and people knew my name. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> oh, man, that is incredible. Yeah. Yeah, Zena. Yeah, well, again, we, we, we love the fact that, again, your, your academy is, is focusing in on the youth and hopefully it will, it will produce some of those, you know, new talents that will uh, have that love for the game and we can really kind of get behind and support. Well, actually, mine is not really set up. I'm just being honest. It's not really set up for that because okay. it is set up for giving as many kids the opportunity to learn the game and if they want to go further, but also to... Um, to enhance, um, you know, whatever dreams they might have, but using the goals and the values that tennis gives out of that, you know, further down the road, because I'm, and the reason why I say it like that is like, I don't have like a high performance coach and I'm putting it like, it's changed so, the sport has changed so much and, you know, everybody is a high performance coach, which ain't true, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like, but, you, but you get the kids like all hyped up. But my thing is, if you give them a strong foundation, then you don't know where it could take you. That's and, right. you know, because now these kids go to academies and their kid, their parents are like putting up their houses to something like, what? The, are they crazy? Like, it's it's your chances of making it are slim, no matter who you are. <laughs> right, that's right, that's right. I mean, in any sport, it takes a lot of effort, focus, and time in order to be great. And even then, you put all those elements together. It's not a guarantee. You still need some luck. That's right. <laughs> that is exactly right. I'm telling you what. So, Zena, it, basically, we. I guess we wanted to ask you a little bit more about just your thoughts on on just the game in, in general. So it's just sort of opening it up. I know that we were talking mm -hmm. about some things we wanted to focus in on, but just overall, just things that you want to share, things that, you know, you feel like people need to understand and hear about having, you know, all of the internal knowings or knowledge that you have about the game. And again, having been around it for decades, just things that you would like to share that you want folks to just be aware of. Yeah. Well, I think the, you know, um, I'll, I'll use one example of something, you know, I just don't agree with. And I just, it's just me, you know, everybody's talking about coaching on the courts, you know, yeah. so they've done it with the women, you know, in grand slam. I mean, I'm not grand slam in regular tournaments, but not in grand slam tournaments. Well, and this is a debate I have with a lot of people. You know, yes, I am old school in that respect, but you, people don't understand, like, it takes away from the player learning the game. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> that's preach. We and feel exactly so the same way. You have somebody that's helping you on the court, and you can say, yeah, well, you do it in team sports for Fed Cup and whatever, whatever. Okay, I, I get that. But I'm saying... So you have that player, I mean, you have that coach on the court, comes on the court when the player is playing a regular tournament. So then you go to a, the Grand Slam, which is our big tournament, and the player is like, I don't know how to play. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> I <didn't> forgot. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, and then you talk about, you know, go back to the coaching, the Serena's being coached um, during the U.S. Open or whatever. So if you truly want to put the coach, first of all, you got to realize most coaches, most coaches, not all, but most coaches have, most coaches have huge egos. <laughs> mm, okay. Park coaches, 
community coaches, grassroots, professional, whatever, tennis players, they got some of the biggest egos. It's just like golf. You ever know in golf, everybody thinks they know something? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the truth. And they want to teach you something? But... Yeah, but I'm saying that. So, okay, so why? So what's the big deal of letting coaches, if you're in the stand, then let them give you signals or something. Like, what's the big deal about that? Because it happens anyway. I mean, it's not like, exactly. It's, it's it's not stopping them. It's happening. And didn't we hear that they're gonna test this this year? They're supposed to test it, but the only thing is, think about it. The reason why most coaches and want to be want to be seen because they want to be known. Yep. So that's why they want to go out and they want to. You know, it's all about entertainment. So I get that that sells, but. How many times did you listen to the coach when the coach goes on the court? <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Really, most of you, that's you like, oh Lord, what is he? Nobody really sits there and listens to him. <laughs> <laughs> and then if they're if they're talking and if they're talking another language, hell, nobody knows what to say. Sorry, I said hell, but nobody knows what to say. <laughs> that's okay. That's all right. <laughs> oh no. We are right there with you, Zeta. So, and, and speaking of coaching, I just would love to hear your perspective. Do you think Richard Williams is ever going to get his due Preach. for what he's done? Now, don't get me wrong. I know there have been other coaches involved yeah. and everything. But when you're talking about the master plan mm -hmm. that he set into place. Yes. Uh, he, he, on that? he will, and he should have been already in there. Should have been. You're talking about the, the Newport Hall of Fame? Yes. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, he, he should have already been in there. But most of the time, they'll wait until the um, the girls retire. I, I would say that it'll probably, it'll probably happen. But he And then I don't exactly know how that works. I kind of know a little bit. You almost, you have to, I think it's like Major League Baseball or any of those. You have to have people out there lobbying for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But there's no way they're not going to be able to put him in there. There's absolutely no way, no way whatsoever. I mean, literally, Richard Orsine, the Williams sisters, they changed the landscape of tennis, similar to yourself, similar to Lori McNeil, similar to Althea Gibson. I mean, come on now. And that can't be denied. It cannot be denied. Right. Well, Zena, we absolutely appreciate you being with us and talking with us. This has been one of the most entertaining, just I can't even tell you for me how valuable this has been just to talk with you and just to hear your stories, hear your perspective. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm really on cloud nine right now being very serious. Um, no, thank thanks. you so much. Now, thank you guys and keep up the good work and you know, it's all good. <laughs> and, and I echo everything that Isaac said. And I would also say to our listeners, you know, please do, um, you know, visit ZenaGarrison.org yes. uh, to learn more about her academy and, and opportunities to support. Please support uh, it, folks. There. That's right. Please support it because, hey, we got to support our sisters. Come Absolutely. On now. <laughs> Come on and don't forget, Tyler, if you're out there, call us. <laughs> I'm quick. Yeah, I'm sorry. I get a little, this time at night, I get a little talkative because I'm really kind of shy. But <laughs> we, we, we don't have to reach out and find Tyler. We're going to have to. I'm, I'm going to have to. Yeah, let's get that movie on. That's right. <laughs> exactly. I know that, I know Real that. quick, though, you guys, there's never really been a good tennis movie. So he could really break out with Have you ever seen a good tennis movie? I haven't. I have not. No. I have not. I would say no. <laughs> So that 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 gives him something to, to reach out and do, right? Well, hey, his studio is down in Peachtree City. And yep. we, we know some folk in Peachtree City, so we <laughs> might have to go. <laughs> well, we come on. Go. Come on, brothers in tennis. You need to write that script. We need to get, get paid. <laughs> well, well, you know our producer has those talents. Yeah, uh, that's he's, right. He's kind of in that industry a little bit, so... Uh, well, we'll have to circle back with him. There you Look, go. I always and the other thing is like, uh, and I'll let you guys go, but I was, uh, I'm always like, um, commentary. I'm like, wouldn't it be like really cool if we had like somebody like Kevin Hart or something like 
analyzing tennis or something. It's like so boring. Well, and and you're right. They have Will Ferrell and those types of folks that come up in there sometimes. We need, again, we need to get some African American folk up in there. We need to get, uh, get Kevin Hart. What, what? Oh gosh, I can't remember. Well, yeah. it, it's like you know, Haddish. yeah, Tiffany Haddish. Yeah, Kamal always says to me, Zena, you can do it. I was like, yeah, but my problem is like. I had the name of, it's like I've been on said something, the wrong thing. <laughs> Not what I really want to say. <laughs> right? Listen, you can always say what you want to say on Brothers on Tennessee. <laughs> because what? It's a safe space. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it ain't never safe because you never know who's listening. So. That's true. That is true. That is it. So, Zena, thank you once again. And, and, and to our listeners, we hope that you've enjoyed this episode. And we are going to take this moment to sign off. And as usual, this is your boy Bryce. This is your boy Isaac. And we are Brothers on Tennis. You take care, everyone.